What's up, guys? Rick here with your betting preview for this week's FedEx St. Jude Championship. It's outrights, it's matchups, it's one and done, it's props. Who knows where we'll go? Andy Lack joins me as usual. Andy, good morning. Good morning to you, man. I'm uh I would say I'm fairly excited for this tournament. It's obviously uh we got the best of the best right now outside of you know the players that went to live. This is the you know, probably the strongest field we'll get for the rest of the year. Yeah, everyone had to kind of earn their way into it. Uh, there will be a cut, our final cut of the season. And the top of the board, uh, as you can see, pretty stacked. So this is the grid via odds checker. You can find the, the best numbers available. Roy McElroy, the odds on favorite. Uh, Scotty Scheffler right behind. Uh, Rory at 10 to 1. Scheffler at 15. You get a bunch of guys in here between 18 and 22 like cam smith and patrick Cantlay, is there a bet to be made at the top of this board andy you know i have I foregone four the top of the board but if i was to make a bet i probably would like jt the most i mean i think 20 to 1 on justin thomas on this golf course um obviously this is a golf course that he's won before I, to me, this is a golf course that is defined by like driving accuracy and middle iron play, right? And over a large sample size, JT is still the best middle iron player in the world. You know, he basically in the last two years, he's won the PGA Championship and the Players Championship. His last non-major or players win was actually at this tournament uh, in 2021 or 2020. Um, so I, I think I would not be surprised whatsoever if, if JT grabbed another one here to pad his resume. Yeah, the, the tournament predictor on rickrungood.com liked him as well. Simulated this a thousand times. He won it the fourth most often, 5.9%. The trio of Rory McIlroy, Scotty Scheffler, Patrick Cantlay up top above those guys. I cannot help but notice that John Rahm has a two in front of his odds. Andy, I went back and looked and I was like, when's the last time this happened? Uh, 2019. 2019 Players Championship, he was 25 to 1. That's the last time he's had longer odds than what we're seeing right now. I would imagine this is his lowest DraftKings price in a while. Yeah, I'm not surprised about the betting market number finally drifting. I mean, books were, you could probably make an argument based on his play. He should have been dropped to the 20s a couple months ago, honestly. But they look, you look at the long term metrics and you look at the numbers, and it's so clear that he is a very, very elite player that is just consistently performing way below his baseline for quite some time now. I don't have enough interest in to pull trigger on the 20 or the 20 or the or the 22. I think he's going to have a really good FedEx Cup playoff. So I think if you're like making bets, for somebody who is undervalued right now to win the FedEx cup that has been performing below their baseline, I would probably bet that isn't too, too far away that they're still in striking distance. I, I would probably bet Rom or Hovland. I just think that for Rom, particularly the next week's course at Wilmington is the place to play him. The, Board is interesting, right? And I've kind of been burned a little bit recently by avoiding the top. Tony Finau a couple of times, Andrew Shoffley a couple of times, JT Poston. Um, I guess he was probably in the 30s when he won it. And then Tom Kim also like 30 or 35 to one. But I'm going to kind of like first click. If I go to battle with Will Zalatoris, if I go to battle 
with Colin Murakawa right now, 25 and 35 to one respectively. I think I'd be pretty happy about that. Zalatoris, we've talked about this, Andy. I didn't think the last two weeks were particularly great spots for him. I think this is a much better place for him. He had a top 10 finish uh, last year, the only time he's played at TPC Southwind. And then if you want to invest in long-term form in guys that are just like longer than they should be. Colin Morikawa does this frequently enough where he drifts to 35 to one wins drifts to 35 to one wins. Like I'm, I'm happy to kind of invest in those guys. Right. On, on Zalatoris first, like he has kind of gotten to the point where I think he's a good enough player now that we can say that he kind of transcends course fit almost, right? Like last two weeks, he was basically at courses that don't do the best job of accentuating what Will Zalatoris is best at, right? Which is, you know, long iron play, powerful total driving. You want him on courses where putting is de-emphasized. And this course does a much better job of that, right? I would not call it like a Torrey Pines or a U.S. Open setup, but you're going to have some longer approach shots here. There is less of an emphasis on putting than you've seen the last two weeks. We've seen Justin Thomas win this tournament before losing strokes putting. We've seen Brooks Kepka come in second, losing like 2.5 strokes putting. So of the past couple of weeks uh, that we've seen Zalatoris, he's been playing great on courses that don't fit his game very well. This one fits his game way better than the last two courses we've seen. On Morikawa, I'm with you as well. I mean, that was the first bet that I made at 35 to 1. I think the appealing thing to me about Morikawa, you know, it's it's interesting. It's such a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league, and, and it's so tight right now with these guys at the top. I'm old enough to remember, Rick, when he won the Open Championship last year, and people said Morikawa will never, never drift above 20 to one in the betting markets. We were saying these things and now he's sitting there for us at 35 to one. I think it's a great course fit for Morikawa. I'm probably heavier on driving accuracy this week than most and middle iron play than most. And, you know, we've seen Morikawa win at a course like the concession on Bermuda greens, where water comes into play on over 50% of the holes. Um, I think it's a really good spot for him. So I don't think you can go too wrong in this middle tier. Uh, the next kind of area of the board, when you start to get into the 40s to 60s, this is where everyone's just grabbing the guy that they like, whether it's going back to Tom Kim or, or buying in on, on Shane Lowry or Hideki Matsuyama or even Billy Horschel. You can kind of get whatever you want here. Um, I, I always circle Victor's name. Uh, he's 40 to one. I think this is a course that, again, we've talked about it. it, it it's going to re require you to ball strike the hell out of it. It's going to ask you to play out of the fairway and it's not going to be as, um, I, I don't know, re requiring you to have like the great putter or the great putting week. So there, there's kind of a lot to unwrap in the middle. If I start my card with, as mentioned, Zalatoris, Morikawa, Victor Hovland, like I'm ready to go to battle. Uh, I am generally not as much of a Victor guy as you are, but I am, in on him this week at that number. I mean, I got him at 41. Let me ask you a question. What do we make of the fact that Hovland had like the best short game week of his career at St. Andrews? Well, he got to putt. He, he, right. He, so, I mean, so that's counting putts actually, off the green. Yeah. How many times did he actually chip? I'd have to go back and look, but he, yeah, anything with inside anything inside 40 yards uh, that he was not on the green is is around the green and he putted a lot of that. And we've talked about this before, you know, his his um his putting stroke is one of the best putting strokes on tour. It's very consistent. Doesn't mean he makes a lot of putts, but like they threw him on that ping uh, you know, putting stroke measuring thing and it's like the the most consistent stroke they've ever they've ever measured. 
Yeah. And I mean, I listen, I, I'm not going to say that this is a course where short game doesn't matter. It, it, it absolutely does. Right. But we've seen him on courses before be able to find success around the green at a course like Bay Hill, right. Where there's kind of yeah. thicker Bermuda rough. Right. And, and sometimes you could even make the case that thicker Bermuda rough sometimes level. I mean, another place was Southern Hills that had sticky Bermuda rough and he was fine around the green there. You know, there's, you could sometimes make the case not to get too into the weeds that that can level the playing field a little bit, just because you're basically sliding the club under the ball. So I, uh, listen, I like Victor a lot here. I like Shane Lowry too. I mean, I think this is a pretty, we were betting this guy at 30 to one to win majors you know, a couple of weeks ago. And now, because I mean, he makes the cut on the number at Wyndham. I don't think he wanted to make the cut. He went home. He chartered a jet to get back there and had his worst putting performance in about five years. I think like Lowry is a pretty good buy low candidate. If we want to talk about a guy that's a great middle iron player, uh, very, very accurate driver of the ball, really good on Bermuda, almost won the Honda classic this year. Another course where, you know, it's Bermuda greens and kind of trouble everywhere. And you kind of have to avoid all these landmines. I'm with you. I love this middle tier. My, my card this week started with Morikawa, Hofflet and Lowry. Uh, chartering that flight back to the Wyndham probably cost him more, probably lost money on the week. <laughs> T83 probably, probably lost money there. Um, okay. How far down the board do we go? Because we've seen when the world's best get together, it's usually one of kind of the top elite guys that end up getting it done. Joaquin Neiman is 60. Um, Davis Riley's a hundred, right? And there's not a lot of names between those two. How far down the board realistically are outrights being clicked? Well, you know me, I bet a few guys at 150 to one with the each way placings, but I will say this. Let's think about Abraham answer last year, right? Like Abraham answer won this tournament at 45, 55 to one. I think there are a couple players in that Abraham answer category as a guy that is always going to check all of the boxes statistically, kind of the proverbial bridesmaid great driving accuracy, great on Bermuda. And finally, they're able to break through at a tournament like this. The two guys that come to mind when I think of, okay, who could fit that answer mold the most are Corey Connors and Russell Henley. And I actually bet both of them at 75 to one, um, which I thought were fair numbers on them. But listen, how long are we going to do the, this guy can't win thing, right? Like has, like, is it Tony Finau winning back to back? Is that enough for people to put an end in it? Is it Xander Shoffley winning back to back for that to put an end to it? I mean, I've been banging this drum forever, but winning golf tournaments is variance, right? When I'm predicting players to win golf tournaments and making my bets, I'm not picturing who's going to hold up the trophy. I'm betting the guys that my numbers suggest have the highest probability to put themselves in the mix, right? Because I know that if I can consistently find guys that put themselves in the mix, they're going to catch the right side of variance sometime, right? They're going to finally have that day where instead of Max Homa getting up and down from a tree, it's Scott Piercy shooting a 43 on the back nine, right? So I'm probably a little more bullish on those guys like Henley and Connors this week. Yeah, I mean, I bet Corey Connors last week at what, 30 to one or 35 to one. And he had the most on-brand Corey Connors week ever, which right. is eight strokes, ball striking, loose through. With the, like, how could I be upset with that? He did exactly what you would expect him to do. So if I bet him last week at 35 and I see his name at 75 on a golf course that should be a fairly decent setup for him, like, 
yeah, I'm going to end up clicking his name by the time the week's over as well. That's kind of where I'm headed. Thing I like about him too is the Sunday, right? I, I always try. I like looking at round by round and seeing yeah. how players progress throughout the week and look how good Corey Connors was on Sunday. Remember, he made the cut on the number. Uh, right. It's T21. So he actually had a pretty d- decent weekend in, in general. He also, what he go back and look at his like approaches into, uh, into greens on, on Sunday, he missed like a four footer for birdie. Everything was within inside 10 feet. He didn't make anything. And he still was, I don't know, a handful under par. Right. Matchups. Um, let me make this a little bit bigger so we can see this. I just pulled up DraftKings here. Now, are there any specific names that I can go through a couple of these, but are there kind of names that you would start circling different from outright markets, just saying, hey, this is somebody that I would like to get exposure to. I don't necessarily like it in the outright market, but maybe there are some matchup opportunities with Golfer X. Is there a Golfer X for you? Yeah. Well, I just wrote this up in a golf.com piece. I slammed Russell Henley minus 120 over Ju Young Kim. Listen, if Ju Young Kim wants to gain 12 strokes ball stro- ba- uh, putting back to back weeks and, you know, have one of the best putting performances of the decade again, I am happy to take that L. You know, I watch a lot of golf, Rick. Um, I don't know if the numbers totally back this up. Uh, I know he was number one in the field in the in approach, but. Tracking Russell Henley on Sunday at the Wyndham, I kid you not, it was one of the best iron rounds I have seen in quite some time. I mean, he had the ball on the string. It was three feet, five feet, seven feet, 10 feet, 11 feet, every single iron shot. I know he led the field in the approach that day. I think he gained almost four strokes on approach that one round. So 10 times out of 10, that to me is far more sticky than Tom Kim making a ton of putts. And I, I think that you're getting the more undervalued player um, in terms of our regression candidates for next week for in Russell Henley. Yeah. If you remove kind of just like the short term, absolute scorching week or two that, that or three that Tom Kim has had uh, the 50 round matchup has Russell Henley as, as the favorite here. And he gains strokes uh, more often and gains one or more strokes more often than, than Tom Kim does. That's certainly, so, yeah. Like, Tom Kim was great, gained 12 and a half strokes. That was the 16th uh, best putting performance ever recorded, ever. It's like 20 years of data. So, yeah, might not might not happen again. Um, I'll probably pick a bit on on Max Homa. So, yeah. Neiman, Neiman over Max Homa here. I haven't I've have not run the numbers, but like that that's one that's interesting to me. You know, if this golf course is a little firm, a little fast with the lack of rain that we've seen uh in Memphis in June and July, uh, you know, Maybe that sets up better for Joaquin Neiman. Max Homa has been unable to solve TPC Southwind. Like by far <laughs> one of the best, or excuse me, one of the worst performances we've seen of anybody who's played 20 rounds at this. It just, it just has not fit him. And I think I'll take the opportunity to kind of pick on him a little bit. Right. I like that a lot. I was looking at, are there any matchups against Cam Smith? So I thought I just saw one. Um, where are you? Maybe I didn't. Oh yeah. Okay. So they've DraftKings has Cam Smith minus one fifteen over John Rom minus one hundred five. I think I probably prefer Rom there. I mean, with Cam Smith, you know, we're recording this on Tuesday morning. There's all this live smoke going on with him too. He's another guy that he's coming off the last time we've seen him was when he gained eleven point two strokes putting to win the Open Championship. He has been very forthcoming about how he has been celebrating over the last couple of weeks. Um, Rom feels to me like Rom's like, okay, it's, it's 
put up or shut up time right now, whereas Cam might still be riding a high. I know that's not the most quantifiable way of looking at it, but I still think the thing with Cam Smith is I I understand that Cam Smith was great here last year, but anytime Cam Smith plays great at a course like TPC Sawgrass or TPC Southland, it's not because it's a great course fit. It's because he's gaining a bajillion strokes putting, right? This is not a course like St. Andrews or Augusta where he can spray it off the tee. Of course, he could still top five because his putter is so good. But I, I actually don't think this is – I think of the elite players, he is by far still the worst driver of the ball in the field. So I actually – I really like Rom in that matchup. Yeah, and there's a, there's a big um, penalty for missing the fairway around here. And uh, Cam Smith does that, as you mentioned, more frequently than most. Okay, we have to talk props and we have to talk about our one and done selections for this week. We are going to do that, but we are going to promote Andy's pod because it's awesome. Hit it. Andy Lack is not only the co-host of The Scramble, but also produces his own show, The Inside Golf Podcast. It's available twice a week, focusing on course breakdowns, DFS and betting strategies for every PGA Tour event. Admittedly, I was drawn to Andy for his data-driven approach, which you'll find on his Sunday shows as he breaks down the field. But I'm even more impressed by his passion for course architecture, which offers a different perspective of our great game. Mix those together with insightful and humorous guests who don't take themselves too seriously, and you've got a recipe for a great podcast. Follow Inside Golf Pod on Twitter and download Inside Golf wherever you download podcasts. Okay, Andy, here is the uh, board over at Prize Picks, and uh, you can use the code RICK. There's a link in the description. Get an instant deposit match here. They've got strokes, birdie or better matchups, and birdies or better available. The strokes I thought were interesting. Uh, 67 and a half for the big boys. It's a par 70. Uh, they go down to, let's see, I think there's some 69 and a half. Ricky Fowler, 69 and a half. Uh, this golf course, and remember, we've had a regular PGA tour event. We've had a WGC here. The most it's ever played under par is like a stroke under par on average. And often to the field average can play over par. Obviously the big boys and the best players in the field are going to find a way to get under par. But I thought these were a little low, especially for the guys that uh, miss a lot of fairways. Yeah, I'm with you. I think these are a little bit low. I think 67.5 67.5 yeah you just clicked on cam smith right there at 67.5 i mean you're basically asking the guy in his first round back after winning to open and you know over a, basically a month now right i mean you're asking him to beat the field scoring average in like a pretty good field by two and a half two three strokes right so i i like i mean you could just do like a where there's smoke there's fire parlay with like Hideki and Cam Smith and you could throw Neiman in there maybe too. Yeah. Yeah. Any, (laughs) any, any of those guys. Yeah. I like that a lot. Ju Young Kim again. That's another guy that I'm going to be fading all day. Jason day. What is going on with this guy? I played Jason day in DraftKings last week and he was really good on Thursday. He had this really good round going. He, I think he beat that. He gained like two or three strokes on the field. He shot minus three or minus four under, and then he, withdraws from the tournament i i don't understand yeah that's that's a little bit concerning right and i don't know i haven't heard anything this week but right yeah he was playing well um and withdrew i I don't know if it's the back acting up or or what but yeah i've I've got loaded in here cam smith over 67 and a half uh hideki over 68 hideki's been like not very good 
right? Mm. I mean, he's been he's been good at Southwind, but you're right. There might just be this where there's smoke, there's fire type of deal. Um, birdies are better. The big boys are at five. Uh, you can get Patrick Cantlay, Matt Fitzpatrick, John Rahm, and a few others at four and a half. And I, I mean, there's okay. How how nerdy do you want to get here, Andy? We should just go for this. So go for it. They they replaced uh some of the fairways with zoysia right mm -hmm. it's, there's new zoysia, zoysia and there's old zoysia and there's only old zoysia on about uh five of those fairways which is much much softer than the new zoysia the new zoysia is very very firm um yeah. and that could create a situation where more guys are playing out of the rough if the ball's running through it especially or excuse, yeah because they're not um, they haven't had much rain. You could have a situation where fairways are harder to hit because again, on firm and fast, things are rolling out. I mm -hmm. think that is the, a little bit of knowledge that certainly prize picks has not worked into any of this, obviously, um, that I think we might be able to take advantage of. Right. Yeah. I don't think prize picks is going, uh, to that level of in-depth. I, I agree with you. I, I, again, I think just like the scoring ones, these numbers feel a little bit high to me. There are not a lot of true birdie holes on this course. It's a par 70 with two par fives. The par fives are absolutely gettable, but the shortest par four on this course, Rick, is like 395 yards. All of the par threes are challenging too. There's water everywhere. Like there are not four or five clear birdie holes where you're stepping up to the tee and thinking, okay, this is one where I'm going to get one. These all feel high to me. I mean, I, I would go under on a bunch of these. Webb Simpson is another guy like Jason Day, where I'm just like, are we done here? Like, what what's what's the deal, buddy? Is this it? Or is is it over with you, my friend? So yeah, there are a lot of guys down here um that I would probably pick on and take the under with. What I like about this, because prize picks is is round by round, like you I'm happy to get you have to like play against Tom Kim in round one. Right? You got like, it. Absolutely have to. He gains 12 and a half strokes to the field. He's now like 34th in the FedEx Cup. So he's like already punched his ticket to the BMW Championship. He played, this is like the seventh consecutive week he's played. I know he's 20 and he plays a lot of golf, but like if there was ever a spot to be fading a guy in round one, it is Tom Kim right now. <laughs> 100%. Which brings me to another um, point that you just brought up. Are you, it's top 70 in ties that advance to next week, right? It's top seventy of the FedEx Cup. That right, advanced. right, right. Are you ties to make the cut? Are, are you monitoring the bubble at all? Are there any big names outside of between seventy and top and one twenty five that you know really need to make a move that you think are you know going to step up based on motivation? So I always feel like if they had the chance to right. the switch and motivate themselves, they would not wait until they are down to their last out here, essentially. Um, so no, I, I generally don't, but here's, here's the, here's the FedEx cup standings. So uh, 70th is Cam Davis as mm. of right now. So I don't know, Gary Woodland, 77th, uh, Adam Scott, 82nd. This He's another guy guys. where I'm just like, I, I think it's time for us to go our separate ways, Adam. I'll tell you what. Uh, I don't think he's available on prize picks at the moment. Steven Yeager's played really well and mm -hmm. was awesome on the weekend. And I think he shot the round of the day on Sunday and he's 97th. So he's got a little bit of uh, 
a little bit of work to do. I, I like Jaeger kind of to make a little bit of noise this week. Yeah. Justin Rose in there too. I think at 97th, I saw his name. Yeah. I'm with you. I mean, I, I think that what you're probably better suited monitoring is can the guys in the 20 range in the 10 to 20 range, make that move into the top five. Can your, um, John Roms and Victor Hovland's and Colin Morikawa's make that move into the top five because as we've seen with the tour championship I mean I think it's a ridiculous format which is a whole other podcast but you know you it is you are so far behind the eight ball at at uh, Eastlake I mean you you really need to be in that top five to really have a legitimate chance to win the FedEx Cup are there odds anywhere of winner of the entire FedEx Cup by the way uh, I've, I looked for that a couple of days ago. I did not see it and it's at least not available on DraftKings right now. I'd have to, I'd have to shop. Okay. Around. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. One and done. So from a, like a 30,000 foot view, uh, at this point in the season, there is, you are probably have, you either have two events left or you have three events left with some, t- hopefully some type of modified scoring system for the tour championship. Uh, otherwise, I guess somebody could win $18 million in the tour championship and just win the whole thing. So uh, you got to be a little bit strategic here. If you've been saving golfers, you've probably been saving, I don't know, Rory McIlroy plays great here, plays great at East Lake. There's a chance you had him. There's a chance you maybe you have Justin Thomas, who obviously has won at this golf course before. If you were saving like a Daniel Berger, you don't feel comfortable with that anymore, right? So like, what are the kind of 30,000 foot, view options that that people might have at this point in the year well it's crunch time obviously these are like the last two events so i'm i i got myself right back in the money in the big one with the cam smith open win and then i went hideki missed cut adam scott t37 siwoo kim withdraw so i uh i am done and out of it in in the big money one but yeah i think I would imagine that there are very limited options left. Like I was just running through our head to head one and done. And I was like, wow, I really, really don't have that many guys left, but there's so many good players in the 40 to 50 range that I do believe can win this tournament. But at this point with two events left in the season, you just got to go through the betting markets. And if, and take the highest guy you have left, because then you're never going to, you don't want to go through the entire season and have not used Cam Smith or Scotty Scheffler or one of those guys, right? Don't you think? Yeah. So one of the big, I get messages all the time. Like, Hey Rick, I've got, you know, a couple weeks to go. Like every week it's like, Oh, who should I pick? Well, when we get to this point in the year, it's like, I have uh Rory, Scotty, Justin Thomas, Patrick Cantlay and Xander Shoffley left. Who should I use in the next two weeks? And I'm like, you've screwed up. You have screwed <laughs> this up. If you have those guys available to you with two weeks to go, you have screwed this up. So do not waste, um, your time and energy by saving these guys. So where I'm, where I'm probably headed and where I think most are going to, you might have Shane Lowry available depending Mm -hmm. on what you did this year. I will probably end up with like Terrell Hatton, which Mm -hmm. I'm, I think I'm fine with. He's, he's seemingly trending in the right direction. He's played better in each of his, of his last three. I don't love that. He sprays it off the tee, but listen, I've got, limited options and you might have like Joaquin Neiman available to you. Right. Neiman, Billy, mm-hmm. um, I mean, maybe Russell hop Russell Henley, 
maybe Hovland, if you're lucky, Corey Connors, right? Like one of, one of those guys I'm using Shane Lowry in our, in our head to head one. I'll use. Okay. Yeah. By the way, just another cheeky second place finish for me again last week. We're yeah. We're percolating when it doesn't matter. There is, for, yeah, you should be using these picks somewhere else. Um, there is a lot of money on the line though. So this is, this is 2.7 million this week. This is one of the purses they jacked up. So 2.7 this week, 2.7 next week. And then that might be it, or that might be, you might have some big payout. So there, there is still a lot of money left, but you got to, you know, deploy your guys wisely here. Who's like the worst guy you would use? Corey Connors. Probably Corey Connors or Russell Henley. I wouldn't like, I have each ways on like Mito and Brendan Steele. I would not use them in one and done. Yeah. You don't need to play like no Maverick McNeely here. Although, you know, I use, I, t- I said that same example last week, except the player that I used was John Ha, oh, who perfect. was in contention oh, yeah. from like hole <laughs> one. And somebody tweeted like, is Andy, Sweat, sweating the sweating don't use john ha and one and done claims he was my core play in DraftKings, so he was the first name that came to mind i'm all over john ha but yeah i mean i don't think i still i don't think you have to use those guys it's always the guy that you single out that right it's hot or it could have been anybody it could have been one of a dozen names and like 11 right. of them missed the cut the guy that you single out is always the one that uh ends up playing well okay interesting um how would you prefer so like you know the tour championship, what would be the ideal way to treat that? Cause I get a lot of questions about, Hey, I'm starting a one and done with my buddies. Um, we hadn't discussed what to do with the tour championship, which again, you're doing it wrong. If you haven't discussed that before the year started, but what would be the ideal way to treat the tour championship? I don't think you do. I don't think you do it. I mean, you could get kind of funky and do, you could make it, you could like make the prize purse, the other FedEx cup prize purses or even if you really wanted to which i think is creates a very like strange cloud over the whole season and changes everything strategically like you could just run it and say hey the whole point of this is you have to figure out a way to have somebody in the tour championship and then like you know some guy is playing scotty scheffler because they saved him and another guy is playing like the guy who finished 30th i'm not really a fan of that idea it's a it's a skip for me I, I agree. Skip it because well, I think it's just, yeah, like there's only 30. Like to me, it's the fi- the field is more, the field size is more of a problem than the purse size. Like there's only 30 spots. You don't necessarily know who those 30 are going to be until the week before. There's a chance you get there and don't have someone with, with right. like a little bit of bad luck and a little bit of bad planning. You might not have someone available to you. So right. ignore it. The, the other interesting question that I've gotten is like, for next year, I believe the way that the wraparound season works this year is the Fortinet is the first event, mm-hmm. and then you know it goes to the President's Cup, right? Yeah, I've and so yeah. right, and so I think there's this impending sense of doom that after the President's Cup is going to be a, a bit of a Black Monday, right? So we've been having this discussion in our season long fantasy league. Do you do the draft before the Fortinet or do you no. do the draft after the President's Cup? Because what happens if your guy goes to left yeah. and then it's the strategy Cam is Smith like, does Cam fails. Smith become? Yeah. Yeah. It's like that. I think you kind of got to wait till after the President's Cup and, and, 
give the axe to the Fortinet. Yeah, it's actually not a bad idea either because what inevitably happens is one event happens and then everyone's like, oh, I want to be in a one and done. And it's like, well, dude, you missed it. You're like a week late. Now you have to wait right. a year or whatever. So now it's like, oh, people will be, you know, oh, they'll know it's the new season. The Fortinet is almost like your grace period. And then you started at the Sanderson Farms. Right. Or even starting in January. Yeah, that's what most people do. Then right. the 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 golf nerds start at the Sanderson Farms. Right. We'll be we'll be chugging along through the fall swing, right? Oh God. Yeah. No, say wake up, do it another week. Nothing changes for us. Let's go. Opportunities too. I think the books get a little bit more focused on football. I think yeah. there's some real opportunities in the fall swing. Yeah. Okay. Andy Lack available on Twitter at ADP Lack Sports. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been your betting preview for this week's FedEx St. Jude Championship. Good luck.